Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, what's going on? Welcome to today's episode. I am honored and humbled that you are here and uh, grateful to be a part of your journey. I hope this episode, as always, leaves you better than when it found you. And, and I'm getting to the point where I'm so damn excited about where this show is going, the guests and the episodes and the interviews that we have coming out. And not that our previous guests weren't great, but I really feel like we are starting to something's starting to happen. So if you're feeling the same way, I'd love, you know, find me on, on social, come find me on Instagram at Hector underscore podcast. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'd love to know if, and there's anything that's resonating with you because, you know, I did the show for me and I, I gotta be honest, I, I started this show for my own answers. So many of the guys who are getting and finding their own answers through these conversations, it's humbling is what it is. And I'm, like I said, I'm honored to play any role that I can in your journey. So enough for me. Yeah, I just, I appreciate you. Let's get into today's episode. Today's with Oliver Wolf. And, and it's interesting because that's not actually his, his last name. And that's a big basis of, of the talk today. But it's, it's, you know, it started off around spirit animals and this, you know, kind of redefining yourself and, and this whole thing. And, and, and it, I, the conversation is great enough of it, but he's, uh, he's someone who I met last year at an event and, uh, just really thought had some, some value to share for the guys. And just recently he has, uh, has got, you know, taken up that, that shield and, um, is doing something cool for men as well. So we get into that, but enough of me, y'all let's get into today's episode with Oliver Wolf. Mr. Oliver Wolf, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast. Thanks for being here, man. I love the calm tone. Let's do that. Someone told me a while ago, they were like, you have a great voice for podcasts. And I was like, thank God, because I don't have that face. I like, I have that face <laughs> for radio kind of thing. So I'm glad that they said that and I have leaned into it. You're still a beautiful man. Don't you worry. I appreciate that. <laughs> Oliver, take us into your world. We mentioned in the intro a little about what you're doing and about what you're about. But take us into your world. You've got kids, family. What's real for you right now? Yeah, man. So I've got twin daughters. They are three and a half years old going on four in December 9th specifically, Leona and Kira. I've got my fiance that we just, I call her my wife, it's just so much easier. And that is Jess or Jesse Williams. And she is a very powerful individual. She's very tapped into conscious parenting, conscious relationship, femininity, polarity, all these kinds of things. And I'm sure we'll get to talk about how there's some good stretching for me as a man to be married to a woman who takes that very seriously. I think you can probably relate. And then, yeah, with the twins, I mean, it's wild, right? Definitely, there's just so many, you know, the classic line of like every new level, there's a new devil. It's like every new level happens every couple of weeks with kids, let alone twins. Yeah, that's just the simplest part of the family. And we can get into so much more depth about what's going on there. And then at the same time, I'm balancing or what I prefer to say, I keep in rhythm the business. And so I'm a co-founder of a conscious sales agency, it's an international sales agency where we specialize with coaches and trainers and consultants and all that. And in short, we take over their sales department. Right? 
they outsource their sales to us. We take care of the people and the system and all that and stuff. And, but yeah, we do that all at the same time. And, uh, Oliver, you just told me how awesome you were, though. What the fuck is wrong? You just have a perfect life right now? Is that what you're saying? You have two amazing, beautiful kids and an awesome wife and a rocking sure. business. Definitely not. For the record, yes and no, right? I think that <laughs> both of those can exist at the same time. I think that's what's really important to recognize. Because yeah, if we jump into the into the shit, if we will, even today and, and even this week, I'm having a lot of challenges. I'm feeling a lot of pressure coming from a lot of different directions. And it's putting me in this like mental state that I'm starting to see things as pressure instead of actually as opportunities for growth or if stoicism, you know, obstacle is the way of seeing it as what I need so that I can become what is coming to me. Like I need to become the person that deserves the thing. And so like right now, I expressed with my wife today and we just had a huge dialogue of how I'm feeling truly like weak right now. I'm feeling like a, a serious level of like weakness. Like I'm having difficulty showing up as powerfully as I know I can for my kids, for my wife, for my business. I'm feeling a sense of like almost avoidance a little bit, but I'm taking it on head on. It's just, it's typically my thing when I feel overwhelmed or anything. I'm just like, all right, go head on. But at the same time, with my wife being polarity, femininity, all that kind of stuff, she's like, okay, but you got to go inside and you got to get into the emotions and all these things. And I'm like, but I don't have the fucking time to get into the emotions. I got to do the thing. And so I'm in this place right now, balancing these two things of, okay, how can I make sure I take the time to go into nature and check in with myself and all that kind of stuff while, hey, I still got to, I do the twins breakfast pretty much every morning. I put them to bed each evening. I bring them to daycare in the morning and then I go into like full-time business and then we have intentional time on weekdays and weekends. And so it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. This balancing thing we talk about, obviously the show is called Modern Masculinity. And what's interesting is that seems to be evolving and what's required of men to, frankly, if they just want to keep their family together, they can't operate at the same way. If we're being like in the realist, I've seen so many examples, people in my family whose families fell apart over these last few years, because I look at it at the guys just not, I don't know. He's not. He's, he's pre-family still. No, he's like what the generation of people who watched Al Bundy mm. and thought, oh, that's what it means to be a dad or a father mm. or a man. Let me do sure the Al Bundy thing. And if I do the Al Bundy thing, then I've got a job. There's a house. There's They've got the basics covered. But then they're fat as shit. They're in a job. They have a job. Every other area. It's like, like, but it's totally. Attention. And then I can just imagine the women saying, what am I doing? I don't blame them either. It's scary. I can't tell you how real that also has been for me and those questions that I've had, like how much we've had to, I've had to go inside and deal with those devils myself. But I think that it hit men really quickly. I think the pandemic accelerated it. And you're speaking to this need of putting all this together. And it's, it's fucking, if I'm being frank, it's debilitating at times, at least for me. Yeah, paralyzing, debilitating. Yeah, and, and I've had a lot of this inner dialogue and dialogue with my men's circle with this whole like conscious parenting movement and this whole... There's like the women equality kind of stuff that comes into this a little bit. And there's so much more that's expected of men now to be normal, to be considered normal. And then, of course, like obviously with Instagram and all that kind of stuff, you've got like your standard comparison issues of comparing your business or comparing your physicals, your look, all that kind of stuff. Now there's all this stuff about comparing parents, right? You see all these parenting Instagram videos of the perfect, here's what to do with your kids. And it's going to work every fucking, every time. It's like, no, I've tried every, you know how many freaking strategies there are to use with your toddler and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, this works like 
10% of the time. So much of me is like, I would love to see what your day to day is, Mr. Conscious Parenting Instagram famous person. It's wild what's out there. So then of course, now you're also battling that comparison of, okay, I need to be, I need to be an amazing business person. I need to be an amazing husband. I need to be an amazing, attentive father, which is like a great opportunity, like so much for us to get to step into. And it's like, God damn. I feel like I swung too far to one way. Could be. Like, yeah. how do you mean? Before I had kids, I was all business, 14, 16 hour days at the office, team no sleep. I remember my wife even telling me she was like, it was early on in our relationship and we, we were just dating at the time, but she was like, I don't feel connected to you. I'm like, yes. what do you mean? We've been spending the yeah. whole weekend. She's, I'm like, I've been with you the whole time. She's like, no, you're like, you're not here. And it was yep. when it was my first presence. lesson in being presence and mm-hmm. yeah, being present and like that whole thing. But then it swung too far to where I started sacrificing my own ambitions and my own endeavor, my own health, my own mental health at the sake of caretaking or provide in my head. And I don't, I think it was to the detriment of our family as a whole. Yeah, it's actually, you immediately make me think of something that I've started to do again recently. Well, I guess technically like two years ago was I took up competitive sport again. And I stopped that for a long time. As I got into entrepreneur, I went similar vibe as you 10, 12, 13 hour day, all the fun stuff. And I stopped playing sports and I was just all in on that. And then relationship, kids, all this stuff. And then two years ago, I was like, God, I miss playing soccer. I miss playing just any sport, but like just soccer was what it was at the time. And I played intercity and all that kind of fun stuff. So I really want to pick that up again. And I joined the league and I was like, holy crap. Wow. Like the amount of therapy that was for me, that was noticeable that like my wife would say, Hey, like, please keep going. You need to stay in. And I've left soccer since because the league was not so fun. And I'm in volleyball leagues now instead. And same vibe. It's just being in that intentional competitive space. And this isn't necessarily for everyone. Like I'm an athlete as a background. So then maybe it's that, but there is a lot to be said about just being a man and being in a competitive environment. That's not your business. Just being there is super powerful. And so that you're making me think of that of, yeah, same thing, like swinging too far from what makes you you and what makes you feel excited and passionate, all these kinds of things takes away from what you can then give to your family right. and everyone else around you. Yeah, because you look up and you're depleted. And the challenge is, and I find myself drifting into this, and I did it even before in the pre-recording is like, where then they become the excuse and the reason why whatever. And I think Hormozzi said it in a Chris Williamson episode on Modern Wisdom. He said something to the effect of being respectful or like respecting someone is letting it keep, like letting it keep its original purpose or intent. And he said, if you respect a car or a building, you don't graffiti it or damage it or whatever. And he was using in the circumstance that if your partner respects you, then they let you do what you want to do without impinging on that. They support that. And I think that you can take that one step further. And if you're not respecting yourself, then you're not allowing yourself to do those things that you would have done or would have wanted to do in the name of whatever, of whatever else, pick any other kind of thing that we have to provide for. And I know that, and I just be pointing more blame. But a part of it was these Instagram pages where it was like, you've got to be spending all the time that you can and these things and the moments and the sad songs and the, all these kinds of things. I'm like, fuck, I'm here working. But then I'm with them and I'm like, fuck, I could be work. So there's this dissonance that's happening. It speaks to something else that I've been thinking about a lot. And again, I mentioned this sort of at the beginning of the episode of saying I prefer to say rhythm over balance. And another thing I think synonymously to it is seasons or seasonality, where, like we said, if we're trying to do all these things that are debilitating, at the point of tation. To me, it's like, well, that's because we're not supposed to do it all at the same time. And that's what balance assumes is you're doing all the things all at the same time and you're here like just perfectly balancing everything all at once. Rhythm to me and seasonality speaks more to there are some things that requ- 
require more attention at different times than others. And you can go in and out and in rhythm to these things so that you can, in fact, do it all, not all at once, but at some level of, okay, you know what, this week, right now, I don't know, my kids have lately seemed to be having more tantrums lately and seeming to need more of my attention. So I'm going to let other areas of my life, I'm going to let my business know, my wife know, my whatever know that, hey, this week, my my season is my kids. On the other side, of, well, I don't want to put them on opposite sides of the spectrum, but just another area is, let's say, the business, you're going into heavy launch or something, right? It's going to require more of your attention. To think that you could do everything else and do that heavy launch at the equal amount, that's debilitating. That's exhausting. That's burnout. And so again, and then the final spot on that, it's one of the things I've been trying to do is really being good about notifying everyone else about these. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be some awareness for it. Mm -hmm. Huge communication. Internally, because I think a big part of it, as you're saying that so much of it is for me is not being okay with letting things slip or still having that same expectation of, dang, I didn't get my workouts in or whatever. There's still that that self-critic talk that isn't understanding, well, did you forget that we had all these other things that were also going on? And it's, of course, it comes in spurts, but I think that there's more of that needs to happen because, yeah, it literally is debilitating. It's like, it almost feels like there's so many things to do and the whale is so big and I guess you just start biting. I'm curious though, those of you guys, if and when this gets up on YouTube, your background, like you have this wolf behind you and I remember our first meeting, I was like, is your name? Because right before that, I had met Matt Hope and I was like, dude, you've got to be like one of those names where like it's Tom Cruise and you just wanted to have this awesome name that like totally fits your vibe and your persona and like Matt Hope, like how classic of a name, right? especially for like the type of guy who he is and like the whole thing. I'm like, this has to be fake. And then he goes, no, it's my real name. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, maybe this is, you know, and I don't it's mean meant fake, to be like, serendipitous. It has to be intentional. And then you come along, there's this guy has his last name Wolf, too. And you're like, there's like an intentions, a story. There's a reason. This is not just blessing. So whatever you think is relevant, I'd love for you to share what that means and how that might speak to a guy who's listening right now and what that whole thing meant for you. Sure. Yeah. First of all, what's funny, too, is this thing behind like the wolf tapestry behind me is actually I didn't buy it. It's one of the funny things is as I've embraced and truly become this name and such. Everyone else around it, like, recognize it, and then they're all like, oh, let's get him wolf stuff. Like, you can see here, right here, a little wolf statue too. That's from my parents. This is this tapestry is from my wife. Like, it's just like, everybody's just, get him the wolf stuff. So anyways, but in terms of the story, the way I like to think about it is, and, and I'll try to make it relative to everyone, but it was over a decade ago, like I said, and it's when I went from like purposeless to purposeful, and, and I completely changed who I was and who I believed about myself to be. And it was when I went from like, because I had such a good upbringing, loving parents still together to this day let me play pretty much any sport i want not rich and luxurious but definitely not poor at all we could afford pretty much anything we generally wanted within reason there was very rarely a we can't afford that that wasn't one of the dialogues so i had a really good upbringing incredibly grateful however one of the curses of it was that i had little to no challenge and little to anything to like overcome and become stronger from right a lot of times you hear next to someone's trauma is their gift and all that kind of stuff i didn't really have any trauma man like small T trauma only, no big T trauma. What that resulted in was like boredom and purposelessness and no direction and all that stuff. And I ended up in like drugs and alcohol and all the fun party stuff and ended up being like a drug dealer. And it was just like, what am I doing? And it got to a head where it was like, okay, what I'm doing is either going to end up putting me in jail or death and it's going to be fast. 
Like I will have a short death. And that was part of the the awakening that made me really recognize and, and ask myself, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing it? Like, who am I? What am I trying to be? Who am I trying to be? And who do I want to choose to be? And long story short, it just became this huge thing of, you know what? I can do anything I set my mind to. And this was back when I was like 20, a little over a decade ago. And so it was just that world of, I can do anything I set my mind to and just challenging myself and creating my own challenge and my own things to have to overcome. Because like I said, I had none of that in my upbringing. So I forced myself into these situations that were just like way to just push my limits and see what I can make of myself. So the the name change was an exact timing of when I left the whole like drug dealing scene. I used to live in Montreal. I moved to Ottawa and changed my phone number, changed my name, changed everything. Just literally was like, I am leaving that version of myself behind. His life is complete. I now am beginning a new life. I am beginning a new person and a new purpose. And that's who I've been since. So I actually consider myself to only be 11 years old, technically, when I think of it. Because that other person, that other version of me, I'm so disassociated and not from a place of like embarrassment or any kind of thing like that, where like someone might say, oh, are you just avoiding who you used to be and all that? It genuinely has felt like that story is complete. I've closed the book and I'm now writing my own. It was being written for me and I've chosen to write my own. And this is the book of Oliver Wolf. Is that as easy as as you made it sound? You just move, change your name and like, all right, close that book. Or was that like hmm. a process? That yeah. Yeah, and I tried to make that long story short. It was definitely a process because I had like my parents threatened to kick me out a few times because of the whole drug dealing thing. There was a lot of tension in the family. There was, again, like I was in the rave scene. I was watching people overdose on the couch right next to me. I was in that world. So that was not easy for that to be the norm kind of thing. And so it wasn't a snap of the fingers. Here's who I am now. It took months of really like tapping in and recognizing like life or death, sorry, prison or death is the only path, but like really having that land, witnessing it happening to people around me, terrible friendships, people robbing each other that were considered friends like all this stuff it became a lot was it a waking up and you look back and you're like oh shit like it really was just a waking up and i guess the challenge with that is how do you manufacture how do you replicate like that waking up process or i'm curious about after that maybe people have that but then they don't know fuck how do i get out not only how do i get out but once i'm out like how do i cope how do you rebuild this new identity let's go there because i think that's what so many men i know for me i had to shed this old programming shed teachers parents society all these things of what they thought i should do i should be a lawyer I should go to school i should do whatever all that sort of stuff and like really think about what do i want I hadn't thought about it since I was five, six years old. And so what was that process like in, in rebuilding that new identity? Yeah, love that. So as it relates to like someone, because obviously there's quite a few questions there, and, and one that you were wanting to stick to that I like is the whole, like, how do you go about, let's call it letting go of the previous self and then, you know, closing that book. I definitely can't speak to too much about it. I haven't done like a lot of studying it. I'll only speak from my experience, obviously, but I, I'm not an expert on this. However, so from my experience, the biggest thing is just a commitment to being a different person. And that sounds very simple, but I've always believed in the power of full-on decision-making. When you make a full decision, you create so much activation in your own personal self. And I don't want to get too wooey, but the universe likes to conspire for you. And so as you decide, things around you get activated accordingly. And if we want to get away from the woo-woo stuff, you can talk about things like the reticular activating system, or like when you're very decided on what you want to look for, you will find it. It'll be found in your space. So much of what my experience was and how I made all of this was possible was 
I was just so clear on deciding that that is just not who I am anymore. That is not who I want to be anymore. And this is who I now want to be. And this is who this looks like and how this person is. And so it was just this huge mental trench that I built between who I was and who I am and who I'm choosing to be. And so again, like, what's the practical way to do that? I'm not entirely sure. You could sit in meditation probably, and you can literally just sit with who you were and and look to close that chapter, look to find all the ways, all the behaviors and the habits and all the things and just be like, okay, you know what? These are all the things that I was. I love how it got me here. Give it all the love that it needs. Because if you don't, it's just going to come back up. If you just look to bury it versus love it and accept it, it's going to pop back up again. So love and accept it and then be excited about who you're becoming. I'm deciding to be someone different. We can go one more layer of practical and talk about habits after that, but you can take over for sure. What about the wolf though, right? Like Mm. I loved that aspect of it. And also for me, I've leaned a lot on archetypes and we've talked on the show about the king, warrior, musician, lover. People have frowned about that whole like multiple personalities thing or that sort of stuff. And it's been like- It's true, it's an interesting dialogue. So anyways, I'm curious about the wolf because I feel like if you have an emblem or you have this archetype, that helps with the vision, or at least it's helped me and being like, where am I aspiring to? If I don't feel like I have it in me, at least that has it and I can grab it from there. So yeah, that's a great prompt, actually. Thank you. Thank you for prompting that because you're right. That was actually a very important part of this. When I think about it, it's like, okay, trying to identify who I want to become. What resonated with me with wolves was how they act with each other. There's always a role within the hierarchy, the alpha, the omega, the beta, all these things. They have their roles. If they don't have a role, they are banished. There's always an intention for every wolf within a pack. They do work effectively as a group, but they can also be recognized as lone wolf, right? Lone wolf is also a powerful thing, not as powerful as a group, but still nonetheless, the way that they hunt and the way that they act is much more strategic. That's always been a way that I like to be. So again, like when you think of these things in terms of humans, like team people surrounded by people that you can actually trust, if they aren't a fit to the group, get rid of them. And so that's a huge thing that was a big part of my transformation was like wolves don't fucking tolerate like other wolves in the pack that don't pull their weight, right? They do not tolerate that. So that was a huge part of my transformation there. And again, I love the way that they hunt and think and they might go for an exhaustion style depending on the prey, or they might just go for straight attack from overwhelm. But it's not that they have one method, they have multiple methods to attack the problem, again, similar to how I seek to operate. So a lot of you're right, though, a lot of how wolves acted was what really pulled me out of who I was to become. Yeah, I don't know where people are at on kind of these totems. I think it might have been you that that shared like looking into that. But I know coming away from it, we had a conversation and I've always had this weird association with bees. And I was just thinking like how badass of a spirit animal you have. And then I'm like, I've got bees. But what was interesting is you're like, look into it and don't like undervalue it. And as I looked into it, fuck, these guys are awesome. They're so powerful that they shouldn't be flying. Like all these sorts of things, they communicate in ways we have no way, like all the, all these sorts of things, right? Like their ability mm-hmm. to build and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, yeah, I they think- figured out that hexagons are the best of guns for millennia. Oh. <laughs> You know, and it's just interesting, like how also we push those things away. And I don't know if you felt that, but like I have, I found myself pushing that away and saying, oh, that's silly. Oh, wait. But as I've started to try and embrace it, and also maybe I can associate with Wasp too, because those guys hang around quite a bit and they're a little badass. All that to say, like we can find those things that frankly, we are probably in us that are just so buried that are so deprogrammed that we need that to access it at first. How has that evolved? Because you said that now people are, 
are sending you stuff. I'm sure like every time they're in a gift shop and they see a wolf thing, they're like, oh, all of them. 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's um, literally like, or they'll send me a picture where there's somewhere. Oh, I thought of you. I'm like, of course you did. <laughs> hey, there's this thing outside my window. It looks like your uh, tapestry. Should I be concerned? Yeah. No, then we've got, we've got issues. How? I'm curious how else has it played out? Obviously, there was that in that discovery process. Has it been something that has continued to evolve? Or I'd imagine you've continued to embrace it. So what's that evolution been like for you? Yeah, good question. Especially because before I really committed to it, it's hard to commit to, right? There's a lot of judgment around it. And and even like you yourself, you're like, I feel like B is kind of stupid. It's who cares? But it's the reality is it's it's hard to not care because we're social beings. So we're always a little bit worried about people's judgment, no matter how much ego work you do and all the things like we care, right? And so in the beginning, for sure, part of this was like, I love the whole wolf thing. Can I really make that my name? Like, and I, you know, started to try to plant it with my friend group. They're calling me a loser. Like I had to go through all that stuff. Like it did not stick at first both on both ends, my own confidence in it. And then my friend's group's confidence. What's funny is what actually locked it in. Like the moment that it really locked in was when I, I was at, I worked at Cutco, Vector Marketing, and I won an award. And on the certificate, it said Oliver Wolf. Someone in the crowd said, that's not actually his name. And then she's like, oh, this is why you you're and like on the podium. So this is why you should make sure to put your real name. And I was like, you know what? This is it. Here on forward, this is the name. It's in. It's literally on an award. I'm holding to it. It's an evolving thing. It's not like it just landed immediately. It took years of my own confidence to be like, this is the thing, right? And then how it's evolved over time, it's interesting. So originally, actually, it's really cool how this comes full circle. So I appreciate these prompts. This is super fun. Originally, like you said, it was part of my guide and what I was aspiring to be when I was making the change, right, of who I was to who I am. However, over the years, as I've gone as far as I felt I needed to really embody it, I've now instead let it less be a guide, but more just be a drum. It's just the beat of my drum. I no longer seek to it for guidance as much because it's just who I am. Was there ever a moment, I'm just imagining like metaphysically, like the spirit guide and then you becoming intertwined. Was there a moment where you felt it was no longer outside of you, but that you had embodied, that you were embodying it? Yeah, the most serious moment about it was when I did a sweat lodge in Costa Rica. Have you ever done a sweat lodge? That's crazy, dude. Blew my mind. It's to try to summarize in short, and I'm not an expert here. I've only done one. But basically, it's a very small tent and you're shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow like you're cramped in with maybe 15 people in a place that should probably fit four comfortably. And then there's this hole in the middle and then they have these red hot rocks that are cooking for an entire day in a fire until the point where you have the sweat lodge. And usually, give or take, it's like 12 rocks, three per season, four seasons. And the seasons are timings, but they're also part of the cycle of life and blah, blah, blah. All this really cool stuff that I just, I'm not really studied on. So they move the rocks in and it creates heat. And so season one, first three rocks, hot, and you go on and so on. The point is, it got to like, I think season three or three and a half, four. At this point, you're already in there for probably about, I think it's like 12 minutes a season or something like that. So by season three, you're like getting onto 40-ish minutes, give or take and beyond. And it's like hotter than a standard sauna. Like what you're used to in a sauna, pretty much put that up. So you're there and you're like finding ways to just try to stay alive, basically. But it starts to, it becomes a spiritual experience. Like anything that really pushes you to the edge of what you think is possible, it's basically becomes a spiritual experience. And what happened was all of a sudden, I was just like, I was putting my hands in the ground to try to stay cool 
cool because the only thing that was at least not hot was the earth. And so I'm trying to stay grounded, trying to stay cool, all that kind of stuff. And out of nowhere, a black wolf with yellow eyes just comes out and like comes at me. And again, obviously not for real because I'm in this tiny tent with 15 people. And it just came into my face and stared at me. And it was quite intimidating. And then just like disappeared. And at that moment, I finished what I was trying to experience there. And then I, I moved out of the tent. I got out early because I, I was not going to be able to finish it. And I just went to the ocean and I like went on my knees, stayed in the ocean, and just let it like move me around. I was just like in a daze. That was the first time that I really saw my spirit animal, if you will. And this was years into having committed to the name and everything, probably about six years, actually. And so I'd say that was really that first time where boom, like became. And then since then, it's really been like even more the case that this is who I am. And it's been literally given to me. Yeah, so cool. I didn't know we shared a direct sales experience. I didn't know that we both worked there. That's funny. Oh, you worked at Coco too? I did. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So that kind of actually makes a lot of sense. You're coming full circle now. I'm curious how this is a lot of what you're doing now is going in and working with people to get their wolves into shape and go get them fucking closing some deals and closing some shit. So I'm curious how that came to be, right? What what was that transition like? And and catch us up there and and talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah. And I don't want to put too much time into the whole story because my God, it's a long one, especially because it's twofold because there's my co-founder and I, my co-founder, David Pare. And the short general story is basically he is a best friend of mine. We He's like the godfather of my children or the best man at each other's weddings, like that kind of vibe. We co-founded this business together and we're in a men's circle together. So our relationship is incredibly powerful. We're able to face adversity and, and get into arguments, but never judge each other for it and make it to the other side. It's impeccable. But what's really cool about the two of us, we both have sales experience going basically to the beginning of our entrepreneurial journey. I've sold every type of thing possible, like physical products, services, luxury items, online, in person, over the phone, virtual call, just every possible way that you could sell something. I've done it in some shape or form. And then similarly, the case for him, he actually had some playing more on the MLM side too. But similarly, basically, I sold every other type of thing. And so we have this massive experience in the sales world. And we came from what most people learn about sales, which is much more of what I like to call crony sales. And crony sales is more about manipulative tactics that come from a place of scarcity to convince someone to buy something to make them think that it's what they need to become who they're meant to be and or end up regretting and typically trying to get a refund. That's like crony sales in a nutshell, right? Whereas and again, these are like all the tactics that we use, which there's not necessarily anything wrong with the sales tactics where you're coming from with them and why you're using them. That's the difference. I think most people in the beginning of sales careers do that because they're like, I got to get the sale. Like, I got to get the sale. Nothing else matters. I got to get the sale. And that approach wrecked the world. Our vision and mission is like crony sales is literally ruining the world. Conscious sales needs to become no longer the outlier, but the standard. Because if everyone was actually selling from a place of best interest with the person on the other side, or what I like to say is basically empowering people to make a buying decision that's aligned to their highest self. So empowering people, not telling them, that, hey, you're not enough, you need this, but more like you are enough. And this will make you even better to make a buying decision, not to buy, but to make the buying decision, whether it's a no or yes, I'm not attached to it. I just want you to make a decision. That's my role. That's my goal. And that's aligned to their highest self. So again, a lot of times when people are coming to potentially buy something, they are coming from a place of scarcity. They are coming from a place of like need. And so what we get to do as conscious salespeople is call forward their best self and say, is this in your highest self's best interest to decide a yes or a no, and then guide them in doing so. And so we've taken all this experience experience of having done all the tactical crony-ish type stuff unintentionally we did to now this what we call the conscious sales method and then we install that as an agency into 
coaching businesses. But what's really exciting because it's been working for two years and we're seeing like big close rates, like we're still seeing big close rates. But also what I love is less refunds is we're creating a training for it. It's really exciting because of that mission of you got conscious capitalism, right? You got conscious leadership. We want to smack conscious sales right in between the two. It's cool to see you coming out and now sharing what you've learned and putting it in something that what I think is really cool is that it's profitable. It's a real ROI, which is really cool. Where can people go find out get more? Is there anything that they can dive into now? Yes. The two places to find us is like beyondthepeak.co. So that's .co. And then for the conscious sales training, which will be kicking off or launching October 15th. And so for that, you would just go to conscioussales.com. There's two S's there in the middle, conscioussales.com to find out about what it's all about and all the things. And in terms of like immediate resources, it's funny. So with our agency, since day one, we've been entirely referral based because we've done a good job. And so obviously people are like, hey, you can blah, blah, blah. And so we've got like nothing external. We, we barely got our website up recently. Like we've got barely any social media, all that stuff. Like we're just starting to really get into it. Hence us being on this podcast is I put up a post. I'm like, hey guys, like trying to get on some podcasts because we're trying to really take this to the outside world. So there's not a lot right now that you can really dig into until we start really getting out there. And so I'd say, you know, check out those two websites. Check me out. Check out my business partner, David Pare. You'll find them through me in some kind of way. We're really trying to get more intentional about putting out free, powerful value. I'm sure you probably watched the $100 million leads live event. I've always been aligned, but I love how well he labeled it of the value economy and just like leading with free value. That's so good that they feel compelled to buy the thing because you've already proven to them through free value that you know what you're doing great things. So we want to do that too, where it's just like, we know this works. We're going to put out some free resources to make sure people can actually start implementing as $0 and that if they want to go into depth, can register for the program and all that fun stuff. I love it. Yes, sir. Oliver, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Maybe you'll be a, a regular here because this is Love just much needed stuff. And, and I think you bring mm. great perspectives. Guys, if you've made it this far, appreciate you being here. We would love and appreciate a rating, a review, wherever you get your podcasts. If you know a guy who needs to hear this, send it to him. And like we always say, they're probably not asking for it. And they're probably not posting mm. on social media saying, hey, do you know this awesome podcast about getting my shit together and how to be able to handle all the shit that life throws at me? Probably not posting that. But we know they're going through it. So just send it to them and let's build this thing together. And as always, we appreciate you being part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, fam.